Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. As you're making your travel plans for 2024, remember johnnydollarair.com. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate link. So part of your purchase price supports the great detectives of old time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, johnnydollarair.com. Now it is time to get into the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. The original air dates are August the 15th, 16th, and 17th, 1956, and it's episodes 3 through 5 of The Crystal Lake Matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Johnny. This is Betty Norton. I've been trying to call you. I know I was out. I'm sorry. You keep pretty late hours. It's after midnight. Did I wake you up? No. Good. Why don't you come over? The moon's real nice tonight. The lake is luscious. I'll come over, Betty. But not to talk about the moon or the water. Oh. Got something else on your mind, maybe? Yeah. A little thing called murder. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Amalgamated Life Associates Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Crystal Lake matter. Expense account continued. Item six, two dollars. Tip to the Crystal Lake Hotel garage attendant for rousting him out of bed to get my car. I wanted very much to have another talk with Betty Norton, the wealthy, glamorous girl on the other side of the lake. She had told me she hadn't been with Edward Russell when he left the hotel bar the night he was murdered. But the bartender at the hotel swore that she and Russell had left together. If she'd lied about that, maybe she'd lied about a few other things. When I got to her Lakeshore mansion, she had a few well-spaced dim lights burning, a dreamy-type record playing, and some drinks mixed. The whole bit. Here you are, Johnny. Bourbon, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, You've got a good memory, Betty. Sure. I always remember what's important. Or what you want to remember. Same thing. Isn't How about the things you don't want to remember? Meaning? A couple of questions I want to ask you. Oh, now don't start making with those dull questions again. Look, let's just have a drink. (laughs) Last time I had to go swimming with you before you'd answer. This time it's got to be a drink, huh? I thought we might dance, too. With you leading, I suppose. Sorry, Betty. I know you probably own quite a few things in this world, but the list stopped short of me. I want some answers from you, and I want them now. Okay, so be a party pooper. So ask questions. You told me you met Edward Russell in the hotel bar the night he was murdered. You had one drink with him and left. That's right. You lied, Betty. 
Who says so? The bartender at the hotel. Man, I've always tipped him so well, too. Look, baby, suppose we cut the comic routines, huh? All right. So I left the bar with Russell. Why did you lie about it to me this afternoon? It's very simple, Johnny. Part of the Norton training, I guess. What does that mean? My father told me long ago I could do whatever I liked, but to keep it out of the newspapers. That's the way I've played it ever since. Well, go on. On that night you're talking about, Russell and the bartender got into a fight. I know. And that's why I lied to you. Believe me. I just didn't want to be mixed up in anything that could land in the papers. I see. What happened then? He and I went to a coffee shop to sober him up a little. You can check that. I will. Then what? He kept mumbling about somebody named Billy was looking for. He say much about him? No, he wasn't making very much sense. And then Hiram came into the coffee shop. Who? Hiram, the old fellow who drives what passes for a taxi here at the lake. He told Russell somebody wanted to see him. Russell left with Hiram. And you didn't see Russell after that? No, I didn't. You don't look convinced, Johnny. I'm not. You lied once before, you could be lying again. Sorry. I told you I lied before, but this time it's the truth. Mm -hmm. We're going to get in touch with Hiram. His number's on the cover of the local directory. Local directory. This one over here? Yes. Okay. Johnny, at this time of night? Yes, at this time of night. He doesn't usually take calls after midnight. Mm. Uh, sleep around somewhere, I guess. Well, I'll check him in the morning. What is it? Shh, quiet. Johnny, what is it? What's the matter? I thought I heard something outside here. Could it have been one of your servants? Well, I only have a housekeeper with me here, and she went to bed hours ago. Hmm. There are a lot of deer around here. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, maybe. Johnny, you call Hiram in the morning. He'll back my story up. It's crazy thinking I had anything to do with Russell's murder. What possible reason could I have? A pretty weird one, maybe, but it might fit. You told me this afternoon you had to play everything your way. You've probably been doing it most of your life and getting away with it. Maybe Russell wouldn't cooperate. Are you kidding? Look, men like Russell are a dime a dozen. So I had a drink with him and got mixed up in a barroom brawl. I should have known better. But as far as getting interested in him, I wasn't. Believe me, I can always find others who like to play it my way, as you put it. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, you kill me. That gold-plated front you put on. I wonder if behind it you aren't just a hollow, lonely kid. Thanks a lot for reminding me, Mr. Freud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess that was a little out of line. I guess I was asking for it. But you're wrong about me not being able to stand anyone who doesn't play it my way. You see, I found someone who won't. And I kind of like it. Kind of like you, that is. Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, uh, oh, I guess don't I better... worry. I'm not going to try to appropriate you or, or to buy you. But about the loneliness? Don't leave just yet, Johnny. Stay just a f few minutes more. Okay. Just a few minutes. I guess I felt a little sorry for her. Loneliness. Or maybe it was 
Well, anyway, I stayed a few minutes more. I think it was just a few minutes. My watch had stopped. First thing in the morning, I tried to get higher on the cab driver on the phone again, but still no answer. I headed for Deputy Sheriff Ansel Garrett's office. Clarence Bixby, who owned the cabin where Russell's body was found, was with him. Good morning, Johnny. Hans, Mr. Bixby. Good morning, Dolly. Anything new? Not much. Well, I won't take up any more of your time, Sheriff. Uh, however, I would like to ask a favor of you, though. What is it? So far, the Denver papers haven't mentioned which cabin up here the body was found in. I'd appreciate it if it could be kept that way. Otherwise, if it got out, I'm afraid my chances of selling the place would be pretty dim. Yeah, and anybody who'd want to buy it for that reason would probably be the kind of person not very welcome here at the lake. Okay, Bixby, sounds reasonable enough. I'll see what I can do. <clears throat> Much obliged, Sheriff. Cigar? No, thanks. Dollar? No, no thanks. Well, see you later, fellas. I'll be around a day or two more if you want me for Okay. Well, how do things look this morning, Johnny? Just like Bixby's cigar wrapper. Hmm? I wish he'd quit tying those things in knots. Every time he does it, it reminds me that we're right in the middle of a knot we can't untie. Yeah. It's a bear, all right. Oh, brother, it's worse than that. A guy named Edward Russell takes off from his home in Denver and disappears. He turns up here looking for a guy named Bill, of which there are too many in this town. Lynn Bixby brings a prospect up here to show his cabin, too. He finds the padlock's been switched. Russell's body inside. Yeah. Ants, the only person who stood to profit financially on Russell's death is his wife, Leona, beneficiary on his $50,000 insurance policy. But she couldn't have killed him. The Denver police established her in Denver at the time. Oh, incidentally, she's up here at the lake now, Johnny. Oh, yeah, she told me over the phone you wanted her to confirm the identification. How'd she bear up? Not too well. It was kind of rough. You got any information out of Betty Norton? Well, her story is she had coffee with Russell after his fracas with the bartender... Hiram, the cab driver, came in and told Russell somebody was looking for him. Russell went away with Hiram. You checked with Hiram? I've been trying to get in touch with him on the phone. No answer. Yeah, he's on the go a lot. He keeps his cab behind the hotel garage. We can check there and leave a message for him. Yeah, okay. Yes. what about Bixby as a possibility? I thought of that too, Johnny. It had taken an awful lot of nerve to kill a guy and then arrange to discover the body in your own cabin, but... It sure would be quite a cover. Yeah. yeah. but like you say, it'd take more nerve than most men have got. Besides, we run a check on Bixby, and we've turned up absolutely nothing to tie him into the deal at all. Now, there's no evidence he'd ever known Russell. I know. Leona Russell can't remember her husband ever mentioning Bixby's name. I, uh... Hey, wait a minute. How about Putnam? Well, the guy who wanted to buy Bixby's cabin? Yeah. The same thing could apply to him. He knew the cabin was empty... He could have planted Russell's body there and then arranged for Bixby to open the cabin. It could be, except how does he tie in? I don't know. He said he and his wife wanted to buy the cabin. Might be interesting to check with his wife and see what she says. Not a bad idea, Johnny. I'll put in a long-distance call to her. Don't count on much, though. At this point, Ansel, I'm counting on nothing. And I wasn't. I was getting nowhere trying to match a logical motive with any of the suspects. I decided I might as well continue checking guys named Bill around town and see if I could find the one Russell had been looking for. I went down to Bill's boathouse at the landing. Bill Jensen O'Rana was a stocky, heavyset man in his late 20s. His face looked friendly enough. That is, if you weren't paying much attention to his eyes. They were about the coldest shade of blue I'd ever seen. What can I do for you, Mr. Dollar? Boat, maybe? 
A little information, maybe. What about? A man named Edward Russell. The guy who was murdered? What about him? Did he come around here to your boathouse? Not that I know of. Well, he was looking for a man named Bill, and I thought you might be the one. No. No, Aunt Garrett was telling me about him, but I'm not the one he was looking for. Sorry. Did you have to see him around town anywhere? Russell? Nope. First time I saw him was his picture in the paper after the killing. I see. Hey, you got quite a lot of boats here, Jensen. Yeah, pretty big investment in them. You keep the ones here in the boathouse padlocked, I see. No, I have to. Used to get one stolen now and then. Say, you want to take one out in the lake now, Mr. Dollar? Uh, not right now, Jensen. Maybe later. See you around. All of a sudden, I was real interested in Bill Jensen and his boathouse because some of the padlocks on the boats looked very much like the one that had been placed on Bixby's cabin door, the one he pried off when he discovered Russell's body. I wanted a closer look at those padlocks, but now wasn't the time. I went on back to the hotel to look for Hiram, but his taxi still wasn't there. So I left him a message to contact me as soon as possible. Then, after dark, I went back to the boathouse. There was nobody around. I slipped in the back and took a close look at the boat padlocks. Yeah, no doubt about it. They were the same kind as the one on Bixby's door. And one of them was missing. Yeah, Bill Jensen could be my boy. I hit the deck fast behind one of the boats and looked around me. It was a bad spot to be in. I was pinned against a wall. I edged toward the rear, then dove for the door of the tiny office. Then I realized my mistake. I'd figured that the office would have an outside door, but it didn't. I was trapped. Yeah, it looked like I'd just solved the murder. The hard way. Johnny Dollar. Ansel Garrett, Johnny. I was out when you phoned a minute ago. Ansel, get over here fast. What's the matter? I'm trapped in the office of Jensen's Boathouse. Trapped? Look, I've got no time to explain. There's a man outside with a gun, and I can't hold him off much longer. Who is it? I don't know, but I've got a strong hunch it's the one who murdered Russell, and he's trying to do likewise to me. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Amalgamated Life Associates, Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Crystal Lake matter. Expense account continued. Item seven, two cents. Just about what I figured my life was worth at the moment. The tiny office I was in had no windows and no outside door. A real trap. And outside in the darkened boathouse, somebody with a gun was stalking me. Probably the killer I'd been looking for. But now he was looking for me. I stacked what furniture there was against the door. He started throwing his weight against it, and it couldn't last very long. There was nothing I could do but wait. Right then, the sound of Ants Garrett's voice outside was just about the sweetest music this side of heaven. Drop the gun! Drop it! You okay, Johnny? Yeah, yeah, just a minute. I'll get this stuff away from the door. Okay. Light switch here somewhere. There. Well, Bill Jensen. So you're my boy, Jensen. What are you talking about? What are you doing here anyway, Dollar? Getting shot at by you, mostly. Look, this is my boathouse, remember? You got no business to come prowling around here. Now simmer down, Bill. Simmer down. I thought he was a prowler, Ansel. Oh, yeah, sure. You knew I was getting close to you, Jensen. 
You decided to put me out of the ball game, and you came pretty close, believe me. I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. I figured it was somebody after my boats again. Expect me to buy a story like that? Just hold it a second, both of you. If I can get a word in edgewise around here, maybe we can straighten things out. They're pretty straight right now, as far as I can see. Maybe. Bill, you claim you figured Johnny was a prowler trying to steal something, huh? How would you figure it, Ants? I see somebody sneaking into the boathouse and catch a glimpse of somebody else hanging around outside. Wait a outside. minute, wait a minute. Somebody else who? Man or woman? I couldn't tell. Whoever it was got out of sight mighty fast. Oh, sure. Pretty convenient story, Jensen. Somebody around here has been keeping an eye on me right from the start. But right now, it figures to be you. Look, Dollar, I'm... Hold it, Bill! A couple of Jensen's boats have turned up missing lately, Johnny. It's natural he might think that Yeah, you... and something else has turned up missing here, too, Ants. What do you mean? That's why I came here to the boathouse tonight in the first place. When I was here this afternoon, I noticed that the padlocks on his boats were missing. One of them was missing. They looked an awful lot like the one that Russell's killer put on the cabin door when he planted the body there. A lock's a lock, Johnny. Yeah, but one of Jensen's is missing. Don't forget that. Oh? Here, come here. Take a look. Right there. Yeah. So it is. How about it, Jensen? I didn't even know it was gone. How do I know what happened to it? Somebody stole it. Probably the same guy who stole those boats last month. Look, look, if you're trying to involve me in Russell's murder, you're wasting your time. I didn't even know the guy, and you got nothing to tie me into it. No? Then you better listen to a few facts, Jensen. Edward Russell took off from his home in Denver and came up here to Crystal Lake looking for a guy named Bill, which just happens to be your name. Half a dozen other Bills in town, too, Dollar. Now, what does that prove? Russell's body was found in Bixby's vacant cabin when Bixby brought a prospect up to show him the place. Bixby's lock had been taken off the door and a new one put on. Your padlock, Jensen. I already told you somebody must have stolen it from Then I come around to your boathouse here to check on the locks and you start throwing shots at me. You figure it out. You haven't got a case against me and you know it, Dollar. Just the same, Jensen. You better come down to my office with us. I got a few more questions I want to ask you. And I'd like to check your gun against the slug that killed Russell. Go ahead. Check it. Sure, I'll come down with you, Ants. I want to get this straightened out, too. But let me tell you something, Dollar. Next time you come around my boathouse without a search warrant, I won't miss. We questioned Jensen for an hour, but he didn't change his story. He kept denying any connection with the murdered man, Edward Russell, or his wife, Leona. Afterward, Anson and I went into his office. I don't think we got enough to hold him on, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, his gun's a different caliber than the one that killed Russell. Oh, sure, he could have used a different gun, but we'd have to find it to prove anything. Well, what about the padlock? Mm-hmm. That's a point, all right, but it's our only point. Somebody could have stolen it, like Jensen said. A frame? Could be. <laughs> Jensen sure sticks to his story. <sighs> yeah. I threw everything I could think of at him, but he didn't crack an inch. Well, after all, Johnny, you were out of line going into his boathouse like that. So I should have had a search warrant. There wasn't time. You know, you got quite a knack for stirring up trouble. If you're wrong about Jensen and the other suspects, you're going to owe a few apologies. Apologies I don't mind handing out. But Russell's killer I want. You think I don't? Deputy Sheriff Garrett speaking. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, put it through. It's Mrs. Putnam in Denver, Johnny. Wife of the man who wanted to buy Bixby's cabin. Yeah. I put a call into her earlier. Hope you... Hello? Oh, yeah, Mrs. Putnam. 
This is Deputy Sheriff Garrett up at Crystal Lake. Yeah, the reason I'm calling, your husband tells us you and he had been interested in buying a cabin up here for some time. I thought I'd check with you. What's that? You sure about that? I see. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Mrs. Putnam. Well, I guess your hunches are still clicking, Johnny. She didn't know anything about it, huh? Not a thing. Didn't even know her husband was up here. Look, gentlemen, I've already told you all about it. I saw Bixby's ad in the paper about his cabin here being for sale. It, it sounded like just a thing that, that... That you and your wife had in mind, Mr. Putnam? Yes, yes, exactly. So you I... can hold it right there, Putnam. You lied to us. I most certainly did not. Your wife doesn't seem to know anything about it. Oh, my wife? Good Lord, is she up here? No, no, I talked to her on the phone. You, you, you didn't tell her about my wanting to buy the cabin? Yeah, Putnam, I did. You lied, Putnam. And there could be a pretty good reason for it. Look, I... You knew Bixby's cabin was empty. You could have planted Russell's body there and then pretended to want to buy the place so Bixby would open it up and the body would be discovered. It'd make a pretty good cover for you. Oh, gentlemen, please. I'm in enough trouble as it is right now without you piling more on. I had nothing to do with Russell's murder. I didn't even know the man. What do you mean about being in trouble, then? Oh, with my wife. Look, it's probably hard for the two of you to understand... You don't know my wife. Don't know your wife? What about? I did lie about her wanting the cabin. She didn't know anything about it. We know that. I just wanted a place to, well, to get away from her once in a while. Ants looked at me, and I looked at Ants. And I guess we both had the same idea. The idea that we'd run another in a long series of blanks. We heard Putnam out, a long and familiar tale of woe. We could establish no connection between him and the dead man, so we finally left. We left him in the middle of a long sentence about what his wife said to him every time he got home from the office late. Anson and I went outside. The lake was silver in the moonlight, and a million stars were crowding the sky. A good night to be young, but at the moment I was feeling 90 years old. Getting you down, Johnny? Yeah. Yeah, right now I feel like an old beat-up merry-go-round. Hmm. I've been going round and round, and my bearings are getting creaky. Yeah, the trouble is we've checked out just about everybody who could possibly be involved. It's motive that beats me, Ants. The only one we know of to gain by Russell's death is his wife, Leona, beneficiary of his $50,000 insurance policy. Yeah, but the Denver police established her in Denver at the time Russell was killed up here. Yeah, she couldn't have done it. We've got only one more lead as far as I can figure the guy who drives the local taxi here at the lake. Hiram? Yeah. He keeps his car right over there in that shed. I know. That's why I was heading this way. Shed's empty, though. Benny Norton told me when she was with Russell the night he got killed, as Hiram came up and told Russell somebody was looking for him, drove him away. Well, Hiram could have a line on the killer. But I can't seem to get a line on Hiram. I've tried to call him half a dozen times. I've left a message for him to contact me, but I haven't had a word from him. I don't like it. Our boys are looking for him. No sign yet. <sighs> well, we're not getting anywhere right now. Hey, look, if you're off duty, Ants, I'll buy you a drink in the hotel. Room. I am, and you got a deal. Of course, there's one possibility been in the back of my mind all along, Johnny. Yeah, probably in yours, too. You mean the killer could be somebody we don't even know about, a stranger? Yeah. Yeah, those are the toughest ones to crack. I know. Hmm. Lobby's kind of crowded tonight. We're getting into the busy season. Mr. 
dollar. Hey, it's Leona Russell. Excuse me a minute, Ants. Meet you in the bar. You're right. Good evening, Mrs. Russell. I didn't know you were still here. I'm leaving in the morning. The sheriff asked me to come up here and make an identification of the body. I know. Afterward, I just couldn't seem to get myself organized. I took one of the hotel cottages for a day or two. Such a peaceful spot up here. It's hard to believe. Yes, that... I understand. Uh, Mrs. Russell, your husband came up here apparently looking for a man named Bill. I've questioned two Bills so far, Cullen the bartender and Jensen the boatkeeper. Those names mean anything to you? Not that I recall. <laughs> That's what's so terrible about this whole thing, Mr. Dollar. There just doesn't seem to have been any connection between anybody up here and my husband. Why would anyone have done it? That's a good question, Mrs. Russell. And right now, we don't seem to have an answer for it. I went into the bar, but Anne's Garrett was nowhere in sight. The bartender told me he'd been called away. Expense account item eight, 75 cents, one drink. I waited. Still no Garrett. After a while, I went on the back of the hotel to check on Hiram's taxi cab. Nothing. The message I'd left him was still there. I went back into the bar, but Ants didn't show up. Finally, I went up to my room. Johnny Dollar. Ants Garrett, Johnny. Oh, hi. I tried to call you in the bar just now. They told me you'd gone to your room. I got tired waiting for you. Sorry, I got hauled away on official business. I'm calling from a gas station up near the three-mile grade, ten miles north of the lake. Trouble? Plenty. Johnny, seems like when you go looking for people, it always turns out to be bad luck for them. What do you mean? You came up here to Crystal Lake looking for Edward Russell. He turned up dead. Now you've been looking for Hiram, the taxi driver. Don't tell me. I'm afraid so. We just fished his body out of a ravine. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Amalgamated Life Associates Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is a final accounting of expenses and report of my investigation of the Crystal Lake matter. Item 9, $1. Tip to the garage man to get my car out in a hurry. I drove up to the three-mile grade. Deputy Sheriff Ansel Garrett was waiting for me beside the highway and led the way down the ravine. Watch the foot, Johnny. It's pretty tricky. Yeah. Who discovered Hiram's body? One of my boys patrolling the highway. He spotted a glint of metal down here in the moonlight. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Oh, brother. Taxi cab and all, huh? What a wreck. Yeah. He crashed the guardrail and came down the slope. I doubt if it was an accident, Ants. When a guy's got a bullet hole in his forehead, it's no accident, Johnny. Looks like the same person who killed Russell killed Hiram to shut his mouth. I guess that's about the size of it. Hiram's murder opens up another keg of nails, Ants. How so? Well, Betty's story is that the last she saw of Russell the night he was murdered was when he drove away in Hiram's taxi. But that story depended on Hiram for confirmation. You'll never be able to confirm it now. Well, earlier tonight you were beat because you were fresh out of suspects, Johnny. Now you got a real live one again. Maybe. But trying to find a motive to fit Betty Norton is a blind alley. The only one who could benefit financially from Russell's death is his wife, Leona. And she was in Denver at the time. I still think Russell's murder ties in with the fact that he came up here looking for somebody named Bill. 
and apparently had it in for him. It could be. Trouble is, Johnny, we got too many guys by that name at Crystal Lake. Bill Cullen, the hotel bartender, Bill Jensen at the boathouse. Both of them are still possibilities, Ants. The bartender had a fight with Russell on the night of the murder. And it was one of Bill Jensen's padlocks on the cabin where the body was found. Yeah, it's true enough. Whoever killed Russell and hid his body in Bixby's vacant cabin didn't know that Bixby was planning on selling the place and would bring somebody up to show it and discover the body. Sounds real convincing, Johnny. Now all you have to do is figure out somebody's name for the whoever and a good motive, and you're all set. Oh, yeah, sure. Real simple. You know one thing that's been bothering me from the start, though? Why did the killer plant Russell's body in a cabin? With all the wide-open spaces around here, why a cabin? Yeah, you could have figured dogs or animals would uncover the body if it was outside somewhere. How about the lake? Bodies have a way of coming to the surface. Yeah, I guess you're right. If we could only have gotten to Hiram before this... You happen to know where he lived? No, a little rooming house not far from the hotel. You through here? No, not yet, Johnny. I got a couple of my boys beating the bush around here. Okay, I'll head back to town and see if I can turn up anything of interest at Hiram's rooming house. On the way back to the village, I stopped at Betty Norton's Lakeshore Mansion, but she wasn't at home. Her housekeeper told me she'd gone to Denver for a couple of days. On hearing that, my interest in her as a suspect shot up again. Expense account item 10, $1.45, long-distance call to the Denver police, requesting them to try to locate Betty Norton for further questioning. Then I went to the rooming house where Hiram had lived. I couldn't find anything in his room that would give me a lead on his killer. But as I was coming out, I found someone in the hall who might. Huh? Well, Bill the bartender. Oh, hello, Dolly. What are you doing here? It's real simple. I live here. Oh, same rooming house as Hiram, huh? That's right. Now, look, don't go trying to tie me into his murder. We was friends. I didn't know the news of his killing was out. How did you know he was dead, Bill? Well, I I just talked to one of Vance Garrett's boys at the hotel. He told me. Oh, I see. No, you don't see, Dolly. You still think... Look, whoever killed Hiram is the same one who killed Russell. You had a fight with Russell on the night of his death. Yeah, I explained that to you before. He was looking for somebody named Bill. He thought I was the one, got tough about it. But that's all there was to it. I didn't kill him. I didn't kill Hiram. You'll never prove it I did. Yeah, going round and round on the merry-go-round. Somewhere along the line, I must have missed something. But I didn't know what. I decided to go back and start from the beginning. In this case, Bixby's cabin, where Russell's body was discovered. I found Bixby in the hotel bar. Hi, Dollar. Care for a drink? No, no thanks, Bixby. Well, I got a little good news earlier this evening. Sheriff Garrett told me he was through checking over my cabin so I can get it cleaned up and repainted now. You gonna advertise it again? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too optimistic about my chances of selling it, though. Even though the location of it's been kept out of the papers, everybody at Crystal Lake here knows about it. Uh, you never found out who put that new padlock on the door, huh? All the lock came from Jensen's boathouse. But we haven't been able to tie in Bill Jensen with any of the rest of it. Look, Bixby, you mind if I take another look around your cabin? Not at all, Dolly. You want me to go with you? No, that won't be necessary. Okay. Here's the key. Help yourself. It was my last chance. Maybe there was something in the cabin that neither Ansel Garrett nor I had noticed before. Something, anything that would give me a lead. I spent an hour going through it inch by inch, and I drew a great big blank. Everything was in place. Nothing had been touched. 
Even my cigarette butt on the front porch and Bixby's cigar wrapper twisted in a knot where we'd sat and talked after he'd reenacted the discovery of Russell's body. Inside, only marks on the floor where Ansel Garrett's boys had measured the distance of the body from the door, stuff like that. But as far as anything that would give me a fresh lead, there was nothing. Nothing at all. I was licked and I knew it. Oh, Mr. Dollar. Good evening, Mrs. Russell. I just dropped in to say goodbye. Well, that, that was very thoughtful of you. Please come in. Thanks. When are you leaving? I'm checking out in the morning. What are your plans? I'm not sure, Mr. Dollar. I'll probably get rid of the house in Denver and take an apartment for a while. After that, I, I don't know. Have you filed your claim yet on your husband's insurance policy? No, not yet. My lawyer will take care of it for me. I'd rather not have any more to do with things like that personally than I can help. Mr. Dollar, have you gotten anywhere with your investigation? Have you found anyone at all who could have had a reason to kill my husband? To tell you the truth, Mrs. Russell, up to now I've got no... Then I saw it. Something in Leona Russell's room. Just a little thing. But all of a sudden, the whole deal slid neatly into place. But I had to be sure. Somehow, I had to start the ball rolling and see what happened. You were saying, Mr. Dollar? Oh, yeah. I, I was saying that up to now, I haven't been able to get any... Uh, what time is it? Well, um, well a quarter to ten. Oh, i got to make a phone call. Mind if I use your phone? Well, uh, no, not at all. I was supposed to call Deputy Sheriff Garrett to check on a new lead. And uh, if it's panned out, looks like we're in. Deputy Sheriff Garrett. Johnny Dollar, Ants. Uh, how's that new lead look? Huh? What new lead? Yeah, good. Hey, what are you... Oh, maybe putting on an act for somebody, Johnny? That's right. Well, looks like we're on the right track at last. Oh, you can't beat a lab test. Thanks, Ants. Something... New has developed, Mr. Dollar? Yeah. Looks like we're finally closing in on the right man, Mrs. Russell. I gotta run now. I've got a date with the sheriff. But I'll keep you posted. I went outside a hotel cottage and waited. I could hear her on the phone. In a moment, she came out. Started along the trail near the lakeshore. I followed. I was sure I was finally getting close to Russell's killer. But then a gun barrel on my back told me I'd gotten a little too close. Hold it, Dollar. Well, Mr. Bixby. Surprise? As a matter of fact, no. Bill? Is that you, Bill? Dollar. Hello, Leona. Leona, you stupid little... Falling for a gag like Dollar just pulled on you. But I had to talk to you, to warn you. Looks like you're a little stupid too, Bixby. Huh? You have a habit of tying cigar wrappers into knots. I just spotted one of them in Leona's cottage. I told you I should never come to your cottage, Leona. You insisted. I had to see you, Bill. Yeah, Bill. That's what threw me about you, Bixby. Clarence Bixby, but a middle name of William, huh? Wilford, if it'll do you any good now. It was you and Leona right from the start. Her husband found out about it, but all he had to go on was the name Bill. Somehow he got a lead that brought him up here to Crystal Lake. Of course I arranged for him to get the lead. Yeah, you wanted to be easy to find. You had Hiram, the taxi driver, decoy Russell to you, then killed Hiram to shut his mouth. Bill, get rid of him. Then you killed Russell in your own cabin and left his body. There. I had to. The people of the next cabin moved in that night. 
I was afraid they'd see me if I moved the body. So you played it smart. You stole a padlock from Bill Jensen to throw suspicion on him. Then you advertised your cabin and discovered the body when a prospect wanted to see the place. A pretty neat cover, Bixby. You had a lot of... I still have, Dolly. Enough to do what has to be done now. And sweet little Leona Russell, the poor grieving wife... In it with you, right from the start. Hurry up and do it, Bill. Then you and I can... Oh, no, that's where you're wrong, Leona. It's not going to be you and I anymore. Bill, you can't say that. You engineered the whole deal right from the start, and I'm sick of it. I'm getting out. You can't get out, Bill. You hear me? You can't. You're in this as deep as I am, and you... Oh, yes. I can get out all right, Leona. I know one good way. Oh, yes, I've used it before, and it works. Here's for you, baby. Bill, no! Bill! He swung the gun toward her. I drove at him, but too late. I hit him twice in the face and went down. I'd been over Leona, but she was gone. She must have been dead when she hit the ground. Eleventh and final item on expense account, $145.20. Transportation and incidentals from Crystal Lake home. Total expenses, $423 even. Remarks about Bixby. In jail, awaiting trial on three counts of murder. Edward Russell, Hiram, Leona Russell. About Leona, who'd engineered the whole deal for a payoff. Well, she got paid off, all right. End of remarks, end of report. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, beginning on Friday night, because I'm sure you'll want to listen to the Republican convention Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, a simple string of beads, and each bead on it, a motive for murder. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Robert Reif, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Dick Crenna, Charlotte Lawrence, Gene Tatum, Howard McNear, Forrest Lewis, and Herb Ellis. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Remember, next week's story will start on Friday night because of the Republican convention on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So join us Friday, a week from tonight, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. I think the solution of Bixby being involved was somewhat obvious from a mystery construction standpoint, as they repeatedly call back to the idea that Bixby had a special way of tying his cigars. And that would be a weird thing for a show to obsess about if it had nothing to do with anything. Uh, ideally, there'd be some counterclue to be a red herring so that we wouldn't guess it, but they didn't include that for some reason. Still, the final piece was missing, and uh, the series serves as a warning that going off half-cocked, punching every guy named Bill is a bit of a fool's errand. While the most common Bill is the first name William, there are a lot of folks named Bill, particularly in that generation, where there are some names where I read the full name and I'm like, okay, how did you get Bill out of that? Now, Richard Crenna is credited... And old-time radio fans who are listeners to, you know, just the main body of popular stuff will uh, no doubt consider Richard Crenna as associated with Walter Denton on our Miss Brooks. And so it's a bit of a treat to hear him in his natural voice uh, the way it sounded in 1956. And I guess Rambo fans can also more easily project him forward a couple decades for his role in the Rambo films. The ending announcement gives a bit more insight into the culture of the time with the idea that not only was the show going to be off for the Republican convention, but it was thought that listeners would no doubt tune into it. The idea was, of course, not partisan, but it was the practice of many Americans, regardless of political party, to watch the party's conventions. To people in my generation, and maybe a bit younger, this probably seems a bit odd. But uh, conventions back during this time could be quite exciting and dramatic affairs. Uh, party nominees were not necessarily known, with most delegates going to the convention free to vote for whoever they would. And the party leaders' battle over policy issues and national tickets could actually be worked out on live television or radio for all the contrary to experience. With most scripted TV and radio programs on summer break, the conventions could offer a certain flair of inner entertainment value. Uh, with the shift to presidential primaries and caucuses choosing delegates who are pledged to support a, a particular candidate and the nominees being known well in advance, the convention began to diminish in importance. Today, I think it's fair to say that because the nominee is usually known well in advance of the conventions, there's little drama at the primetime public portions of the convention, which serve as a sort of coronation or, or infomercial for the pre-selected national ticket. Whether this is a good thing or not is a matter for debate, but it does explain why our view of these events is very different in 2024 than it was in 1956. Now, for our purpose, I should say that the 1956 Republican Convention would necessitate one of only two Johnny Dollar serials not to be a five-parter, and so next week will be slightly different, but only slightly as we'll have a six-part story, and we'll essentially do three parts on Tuesday and three parts on Friday. So that's that'll be the main difference.
Now it's time to turn to listener comments and feedback. And we start over on YouTube. And the, uh, Reinser writes regarding the Nick Schoen matter. Love this show. And then we also have some comments on our listener survey. Lisa, writing in Hilton Head Island, uh, South Carolina, writes, I listen every night. It's my way of shutting off the crazy world that we're living through. And uh, Matt says, it's my go-to podcast. And Timothy says, I love the old-time radio shows. It's like someone is reading me a bedtime story. Well, thanks so much, Timothy. And thanks so much. Appreciate you uh, all completing the listener survey. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Jennifer. Jennifer has been one of our Patreon supporters since May of 2016, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Jennifer. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back on Tuesday with another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where... Ambulance on the way, George. Can't use it. They're both dead. Wife and husband. You call the crime lab. They're on the way. Okay, we better take a look at that back room. Right. This is where you found them, Carly? Nothing's been touched. Safe was open when we got here, cleaned out. Shot twice through the back, both of them. They both dead when you got here? The old man was. She wasn't. she say anything? She said the hold-up guy wanted all the money in the safe. The old man gave it to him, pleaded with him not to shoot. Yeah. While I was handing over the money, the old man dropped a $10 bill. He said he was sorry, stooped to pick it up. Guy shot him through the back. Mm-hmm. Woman said she turned to grab her husband. Guy shot her through the back. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.